looking together at Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 to 32, the story of Simeon. But we'll probably read through the whole passage of Simeon and Anna just as an introduction. When we found it, we'll uh, just commit our, our study in the word to the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the living word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he came to be our saviour. And we're so grateful at this time of the year to have these reminders of the greatness of the incarnation and all that the Lord is and all that he did. And Lord, we're so grateful to have these accounts in the scriptures of what we wouldn't know otherwise about the events surrounding his birth. And these things are precious to us. We remember that it says in the Psalms that uh, those who love the Lord talked about his work and what he's done and studied his work. And Lord, we want to be like that ourselves. And we pray, therefore, that you bless this time as we open the scriptures and consider the events of his coming. And we pray that you would make this, Lord, more precious to us and more real and more sanctifying in its power and work in our lives. And we pray for that blessing upon us today. And we pray, Lord, that you would also be with those who are not able to be with us today, either because of the weather or because of health reasons. And we ask, Lord, you draw very near to the church of Jesus Christ, wherever they are. We thank you for our brother Chris being able to come home from hospital. We rejoice with him in that. And we pray that, Lord, now he's home, you would please, Lord, make the, the medical team still just as conscientious in looking after him. And Lord, that as his, his hospital is now his home, Lord, we just pray that you would just bless him and bring him through this time uh, of, of surgery and pain, Lord, and bring him through to full recovery. We pray for him and Rose and ask your blessing on them. We pray for Doug at home. Thank you that he's home. And we pray for things to get sorted out for him and for his strength to come back, Lord. And we pray that soon he'll be able to worship with us again here. Thank you for Chris Jordan coming home and we pray for him also, Lord, that you would continue to build him up and help him as he recovers from his surgery. And others, Lord God, who are not able to be with us today, Lord, draw near to each one, we pray, where they are. And Lord, whatever their circumstances, may you minister to them through your word and spirit, as we pray you will do to us as we read the scriptures together now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce through your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Please keep your Bibles open there. One of the uh, books I read this year in preparation for Christmas, I, I scan everything for Christmas in the heading, <laughs> was Bob Hope's book, The Last Christmas Show. And it's the stories of uh, Bob Hope, the comedian, travelling over the world to bring his comedy acts and uh, entertainment to the American troops wherever they were in theatre. And this was something he did during World War II. And the USO, the organisation that provides this for the troops, employed Bob to do this every single year. And he did this right the way up until his latter years of life. Uh, but in one of the chapters, in about at the time of the Vietnam War, he uh, explains something that had happened. Uh, he says this, There was no question in my mind where I was going to be at Christmas time, 1967, but apparently there were some nasty rumours about where I wasn't going to be. While the show was still on the planning boards, I got a letter from a paratrooper in Vietnam. Dear Mr. Hope, this letter is coming to you with mistakes and all. It is the last piece of paper I could scrounge without the usual dirt and grime you find on an infantryman's stationery. Having talked with my fellow paratroopers, there is a rumour that you won't be coming to Vietnam with your regular troops this Christmas. I just want to know if this is true. So I'm sitting in this muddy... H-E-L-L, of a paddy, trying to keep the paper dry and clean to get the answer. Anyway, it's getting dark and I can't see anymore. Also, have to get ready for Charlie, which is the communist, the enemy. Answer, if you can. If not, I still understand. SP4, John Walters. Well, Bob Hope says this, the size of our cast was getting bigger and bigger. And as I got hung up with the logistics of that trip, I didn't get round to answering John until we had taken off from Los Angeles and were on our way to the usual refueling stop at Wake Island. And then he wrote this letter. Dear John, your answer climbed aboard a big C-141 Starlifter jet this morning. We're on our way. 60 pressure-packed gypsies, which is what he called his, his, his troop of, of entertainers, at 35,000 feet, rehearsing, memorising and fighting over who will get the best punchlines. We're on our way. 
We'll be there if we can find you. So pass the word to all the group and leave a welcome mat out in front of the foxholes. We should be seeing you in a couple of days. Meanwhile, don't forget to duck. I don't want to lose any part of my audience. Best, Bob Hope. And I tell that story this morning because uh, in some respects that seems to reflect what was happening in the, t- in the land of Israel and Jesus day at the time of his coming God had promised Israel a Messiah who was going to come but faith and hope in the nation of Israel were waning it had been hundreds of years since the last prophet had spoken and still there was no sign of the Messiah and only a remnant believed that Jesus the Messiah was coming Men like Joseph of Arimathea in Mark 15 verse 43 who was waiting for the kingdom of God. There was only a remnant who were holding on to this hope. And Luke's gospel opens with six of them at the beginning of his chapters. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna. Amazing people who were looking for the consolation of Israel, as it says in verse 25, or looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, as it says in verse 38. Both phrases meaning the same thing, the coming of the Messiah. Now today I want us to look at one of these people. I want us to look at uh, Simeon, because I find this man, a great man of God, as one of these amazing people. Traditionally, he was 113 years old, though that's just tradition. It doesn't say it in the text. But with Anna, he was one of the two witnesses in the temple testifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, the New Testament opens with two witnesses in the temple and closes with two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 in the temple. And together they form brackets around the birth narrative of Jesus. Zachariah and Elizabeth on one side and uh, Simeon and Anna on the other. Interestingly, some people equate Simeon with a famous Jew at this time by the name of Simeon the Righteous. And if you go to the land of Israel, you can see the tomb of Simeon the Righteous, also known as Simeon the Just. The Greek word is the same. Uh, And this tomb is venerated by Jewish people to this day as one of the leading people in Jewish history. Uh, J.R. Church wrote a book on the menorah, which I was consulting in my preparation for last week's Bible study. And you may remember I mentioned this. And in this book, he says this. He says, according to the Jerusalem Talmud, which is uh, the chapter Yoma 43 verse 3, the miracle of the servant lamp ceased about 40 years. Now the servant lamp was the middle lamp on the lampstand which burnt longer than the others and that was the miracle. Everybody said it was a miracle, it burnt longer than the others. But he says it ceased about 40 years before the Romans burned the temple. The servant lamp simply refused to burn. The Jewish Encyclopedia says that the lamp went out upon the death of Simeon the Righteous, who was high priest in those days. And who was this Simeon? Was he the Simeon of Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 36? 
He goes on and says, according to certain details in the story, Simeon the righteous and the Simeon in Luke's account could very well be one and the same. Now that's by no means a consensus view, but it is interesting that uh, there is this parallel with the name of Simeon here and the fact that he is said to be righteous or just and devout. And many people feel that he is possibly the same person. I think that's very interesting because the lamp went out in his day, Simeon the righteous, and this Simeon held the baby Jesus in his hands and said, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. It's like saying, God's true light has now come. And I find that very exciting. Also would mean that if it was that Simeon, he was the high priest in the temple. And that explains another mystery. Why didn't this Simeon go and find the high priest and tell him the Messiah's here? Well, if he was the priest, then that would explain the answer. It's no means a a consensus opinion, but I share it to you because uh, it is very interesting to me and it seems to match the Bible story uh, so much. But what happens here in the Bible is that this man who uh, is looking for the Lord Jesus, looking for the consolation of Israel, is actually the first man to take the Messiah in his arms apart from his family and to do what John said, as we remembered at the communion, to see, to handle the word of life. And I find that this man was, was so uh, inspiring. You know, he held him who holds him. Have you ever thought about that? He held in his hands the God who holds him. He blessed the God who blesses him. This is, this is a mystery, isn't it? The, the marvel of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus and Simeon being able to hold this baby of the Lord Jesus. And uh, he met the Lord Jesus Christ in Solomon's temple. Now, this is a model of Solomon's temple by uh, a, a man by the name of Alec Garrard. He wrote a wonderful book called The Splendor of the Temple. And he shows there the courts and you have the outer court there. And Joseph and Mary would have come with Jesus in through this gate probably and they would have put their money in the uh, trumpet shaped offering box as they went in to pay for their sacrifices and then they would have come into this court here which is in front of the court where the sacrifices were and can you see the steps there in front of that gate that gate is called the Nicanor gate and there's 15 steps up there the priests sang the 15 psalms of ascent on those steps at the high priestly at the at the Jewish festivals but when the sacrifice was being offered for the purification of Mary after childbirth as we read in Leviticus chapter 12 which is what she was doing in the Luke account before Simeon turns up she would have had to have gone with Jesus up to the top of those steps and stood by the pillars by the gates to see the sacrifice and to wait for it to be finished being offered and then when the crowds had dispersed as these sacrifices had been uh, uh, offered, she would have carefully come back down those stone steps, no handrails, carrying the baby and met Joseph at the bottom or come down with his help. And it's probably here that Simeon entered and met the Lord Jesus. What a place, what a moment, what a, an encounter. And I want us to have a look today at this godly man who was one of the remnant who was waiting faithfully for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and saw the answers to his prayers. Because this can inspire us for living for the Lord in this day as well. First of all, I want you to see here his spirituality in verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Three Christians were having a discussion and the first Christian asked, what exactly is a miracle? The second Christian answered, a miracle is when God does exactly what our pastor says. The third Christian in the conversation said, no, the miracle is when our pastor does exactly what God says. (laughs) And Simeon was a man who was a living miracle in that way in his day. Because he was righteous and devout and holy and spiritual. Israel was living in spiritual apathy and apostasy. Yet here we find a man of the highest caliber of spirituality. What do we see his spirituality in? We see it in his holiness. Because it says in verse 25 that he was righteous and devout or just and devout. Now those two aspects deal with his holiness towards both God and men. He was righteous and just in his dealings with people, but he was devout, committed to God in his worship of God. That was his own personal holiness. We see it in his hope, because it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now this wasn't unique to him, but he was one who had that vision of the coming of the Lord. And Isaiah 40 said that when the Lord comes, he'd say, it says, comfort, comfort my people. The word comfort is paraclete in, in, in Greek, which gives us the word consolation. And this is what Simeon was waiting for, the Lord to come and bring that comfort through his coming and his kingdom to the people of Israel. And he believed in it, even though it was so long waiting. The hopes and fears of all the years (laughs) were resting on that child who was going to come. And he was waiting for that child to come, even though so many weren't. And we see his holiness also in the third aspect, is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now this is remarkable because remember in chronology we are still in the Old Testament even though this chapter is in the New Testament because we're still before the cross and we're still before the day of Pentecost and yet here we have a man the Holy Spirit is upon. This is remarkable. What we have here is almost a foretaste of the Pentecostal New Testament Christians in Simeon and the Holy Spirit was upon him what an amazing thing this is and so we see in Simeon a man of true spirituality I wonder if we really appreciate the type of man that he was and I hope if we do that we seek to emulate this type of holiness in our day Simeon's day was not different to ours There's apathy and apostasy. People today, you never hear them talking about the coming of the Lord. Just a few rare people who want to talk about it. So many people uh, are content to live like the world rather than being righteous and devout. So few really manifest the Holy Spirit in their lives. Yet when we see Simeon, we see an example of what we should be too. And I'm sure that's why 
Luke was so keen to record this testimony for us because that we also can follow his example. I love that prayer in the hymn, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, fill with thy spirit. Uh, have thine own way Lord have thine own way hold over my being absolute sway fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me that's the sort of prayer I think Simeon would have prayed and we pray too the second thing I want you to see here is not just his spirituality but his sensitivity in verse 26 to 27 and by sensitivity I mean his sensitivity to God and God the Holy Spirit not especially his sensitivity to other people Uh, a man who was a, a holocaust survivor by the name of Viktor Frankl said this we detect our missions in life rather than invent them and that's a very interesting quote we detect our missions in life rather than inventing. Uh, what he means by that is we don't decide what God wants to do with our lives. We find out what God wants to do in our lives and we follow him. And this is what we see with Simeon. We see he was sensitive to God's will and God's way. He was a man who was listening to God in verse 26 and a man who was led by God in verse 27. And this is something that is a great example for us. This level of godliness and maturity. You know, it takes 10 years to grow the average Christmas tree. (laughs) We all want a Christmas tree straight away and we go and cut one down full growth. But it doesn't come like that. It takes time to grow. And in our spiritual lives, it takes time to grow. What are we hoping to achieve? What are we hoping to become? If we know the Lord as our saviour, This is what we're aiming for, to be people who are listening to God and people who are led by God, people who are spiritual. And I think the early chapters of Luke manifest this perhaps more than anywhere else in the Bible. You see in Elizabeth that level of spirituality we talked about last week, where she was listening to the Lord, she was walking with the Lord, so much so that when Mary came in, she already knew that the Lord was in her womb. Do you ever think that? How did the mother, why does the mother of my Lord come to see me? Mary didn't come in and say, it's me and I've got news for you, I'm carrying the Messiah. She knew before she came. How did she know? She was listening to the Lord. She was spiritual. By the way, that same, that same spirituality was passed on to her son, John the Baptist. So that one day when he stood on the muddy banks of the River Jordan and he was preaching to the crowd, he looked out and he saw one among them and he knew who he was. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, he didn't have a big sign saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm here. But John knew who he was because he was walking with the Lord. He was spiritual. And here we see it with Simeon. And equally with Anna afterwards as well. Uh, as well, These are people who are of the highest level of spirituality. He was listening to God. If you look in verse 26, it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, God had spoken to Simeon uh, in his 
private walk with the Lord in his quiet times, as we would say as Christians, that Simeon was going to have a unique privilege. He was going to live until the Messiah came. In fact, there's a parallel here with an old man in the book of Genesis by the name of Methuselah. Do you remember Methuselah? Uh, The oldest man who lived 969 years and he died in the year of the flood. Do you know what the name Methuselah means? When I die, it will come. That's what his name means. Isn't that fantastic? Amazing. And God had a man in the New Testament who was the parallel of that. When I, I can't die until he's come. But when he's come, I can die. And this man was Simeon. And God had spoken to him. It had been revealed to him or declared to him as some of the older translations that the Holy Spirit Uh, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Now, how did the Lord uh, reveal this to him? There's a number of ways it could have happened. Uh, It could have come by direct revelation. Simeon does show evidences of being a prophet in, in the next part of the story, in verse 33 to 35, which if we have a service tonight, God willing, we'll look at the prophecy of Simeon. Hope you'll be able to join us for that. It could be that it came directly. It could be it came via Anna. Anna was a prophetess. It could be that she gave this revelation. Says, Simeon, old man, I've got an amazing message for you. But do you know how I suspect it happened? I suspect it happened through Simeon's prayerful reading of the word of God. Some time ago I was reading Psalm 91 and I was struck by this verse at the end of the psalm. And it made sense to me with the story of Simeon in mind. Do you know what it says? It says, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can you imagine Simeon reading that? At least in hindsight afterwards, he would have said, Lord, that's what you've done with me. You've granted me long life and I've been allowed to see your salvation. Yeshua, the saviour, as he goes on to call him. That's how God speaks to us so often. And I think his sensitivity to God here is something that we really need to prayerfully uh, uh, seek the Lord for in these last days. We need to be people who are walking that close with God to be able to cope with these days and to be able to thrive as Christians uh, against the tide. Came across a, a really interesting story uh, by a lady called Lynn Hammond some years ago in, in a Christian paperback. And I wouldn't recommend everything in the paperback, but this story was an interesting testimony along this uh, very thing. It goes back to the 1980s. She said, This happened to me a few years ago. All summer long, I prayed for a man I had never heard of. The Holy Spirit just caused his name to come up inside me. It was Guy Hunter. When I prayed for him, I could see him crouched down in some sort of a box. The heat was coming down on that box and he was about to suffocate. So I prayed Psalm 91 over him fervently. I prayed the protection of God over him. One morning... Just after the war with Iraq had begun, I turned on the television and heard the newscasters talking about the prisoners of war who had been taken captive. One of the pilots mentioned was Guy Hunter. I just said glory to God because I knew he'd be all right. I'd been praying for him all summer. What an amazing story. 
You know, wouldn't it be great if Christians at Union Chapel were walking with the Lord, listening to the Lord like that, sensitive to his leading, his word and his spirit like that. And then being led by the Lord like Simeon was, because in verse 27 it goes on, it says he was moved by the spirit and he went into the temple courts. Now, what does that mean? He was moved by the Holy Spirit. It could mean one of two things. It could mean he was physically moved by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the story of Philip in the book of Acts? Where Philip, after he came up out of the desert baptistry with the Ethiopian, he was transported to Azotus, suddenly disappeared and went from one place to another. That's called spirit travel in the Bible. And it happened to a number of prophets. It happened to Elijah on occasions and it happened to Ezekiel. Ezekiel was caught up by the spirit and taken to one place and another. And it still happened in the New Testament. Dr. Luke records that. It is possible that what Luke means here is that the Holy Spirit said, Simeon, old man, you've got to get up out of that chair now. I know those legs are hurting today, but you've got to get up and come into the temple because you've got the fulfillment of your prophecy here. And the Spirit brought him in like that. That's one possible interpretation. But I actually think More likely, it means he was led by the Spirit. That something inside of him was pulling him. And saying, you've got to go this way, you've got to go this way, you've got to go this way. And he went into the temple. A little bit like uh, uh, that story about the evangelist in Yorkshire, who uh, one morning woke up and said to his, his, his friends he, he lived with, he was an old man, an old, old, old man uh, in his 70s, but he was a retired evangelist. He said, oh, we've got to go to Inkley Moor. And uh, they said, what do you want on earth? Do you want to go to Inkley Moor for? He said, I feel the Lord's telling me we've got to go to Inkley Moor. So they went out to Inkley Moor and they got out there and there was nothing. And they just rolled their eyes, you know. Old, old man getting a, bit, get, getting a bit carried away here. And he just sat down on a rock looking over the moor at Yorkshire. And suddenly a backpacker came up over the horizon and sat down out of breath next to him. And they started talking. And it turned out he was a backslidden Christian. And the Lord had sent this man here to witness to him. He was led by the Spirit of God. Something inside him was moving. I think that's what was happening with Simeon. And he was led by the Spirit of God. Dear friends, this is the type of sensitivity you and I need to have to God as well. We need to be those who are led. Romans 8.14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're not his child. He leads those who are born of his spirit. Jesus said it's like the blowing of the wind. You cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. (laughs) But they're born of the spirit, they're led by him. And uh, he guides us. So if you're his child, seek to be sensitive to promptings that God is laying on your heart. Maybe he's saying to you, you need to go and speak to somebody. Maybe he's saying you need to pick up a pack of leaflets and put them through your letterboxes because somebody in there wants to come and hear the gospel. Maybe he's saying to you, you need to pray about somebody and take them to the Lord in prayer. You know, Simeon's timing was perfect. It says in verse 27, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon was on time to receive his blessing. 
If he hadn't gone, he would have missed out on his blessing. So let's learn this great example from this man of God. The final thing I want us to see here about Simeon is his saviour. And this is what is in verse 28 through to 32. Because in verse 28 it says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Simeon picked up the baby Jesus and worshipped him. And this is the fifth song then in the book of Luke. Luke opens with a number of songs which are given. You have the first song, which is the song of uh, Elizabeth, which is a song of love. Then you have the song of Mary, which is uh, a song of faith in Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. Then you have Zachariah's song, which is a song of hope in verse 67, 68 to 79. And then you have the angel's song over Bethlehem, which is a song of adoration in 2.14. And now we have Simeon's song, which is a song of fulfillment. A beautiful song of praise. And it's all about his saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace (laughs) he knew that he could go home to glory now his old bones could soon rest because God's fulfillment of his prophecy had come and he could now be dismissed and released because the Lord Jesus had come for my eyes have seen your salvation he actually saw do you remember that that phrase the consolation of Israel do you know the the remnant had a prayer May my eyes see the consolation of Israel. Well, he saw the answer to the prayer, literally. He saw the Lord Jesus, your salvation. He saw Jesus and he probably heard Joseph and Mary calling him Yeshua. Maybe that's what uh, the Holy Spirit used to draw him to the exact couple. He heard them calling this baby Yeshua and thought, that's the saviour. That's the saviour. And uh, he knew this was the one, his hopes were relying on for salvation. You know, one of the books I read was a, a bunch of stories, a group of stories by Robert Morgan. And Robert Morgan tells the story of uh, 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 an old man and his grandson who were up in the mountains of America, in the Appalachian Mountains, and they got snowed in very heavily, very suddenly, with an incoming snowstorm. They had enough food, but they didn't have much wood. And this was a problem because they weren't going to get out of there very soon. And uh, the wood pile was low. The old man had been sick nearly all summer and hadn't been able to chop down all the wood he needed. And uh, the snow was, was, wasn't letting up. And they knew they were going to have to burn through it to keep out the heat. Well, soon they burnt down the pile of logs. And then they had to burn furniture because it was the only way to keep the wood stove alive, to keep themselves from dying from the cold. And having burnt chairs, they were left with a nativity set, which the old man had carved out of wood. Now this grandchild, he loved this nativity set. He played with these, these characters and laid them out every year up in granddad's uh, chalet up in the hills. But it was no good. They needed to stay warm or they wouldn't live. So they had to burn the angels they had to burn Joseph they had to burn Mary they had to burn the sheep they had to burn the wise men 
And last of all, they had the baby Jesus. And the little boy didn't want to do it. <laughs> he said, it doesn't seem right, father, grandfather. He says, we've got to do it, son. Otherwise, we're not going to live. And they put the baby Jesus on the burning embers. And the little boy said, I'm sorry, and closed the door. And the flame rose up and it kept them alive until help came. But you know what? That old man used that story to say, that's what the Saviour came to do for us. He came to give his life to save us. He didn't come to be protected so that nothing bad would happen to us. He came to be the saviour of sinners. And that's good news because I'm a sinner and so are you. We've all done things that are wrong. We need God's forgiveness. Otherwise we'll go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And so the Lord Jesus went through hell on the cross as he paid the price for the things I've done wrong and you've done wrong. And he became our substitute so we could be saved. This was the saviour Simeon was trusting in. He, he saw in him the gift of heaven, verse 27. He said, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. He had prepared him in the sight of all people. God had prepared a gift in sight of everybody in the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ visibly. This wasn't done in a corner, it was done publicly. And I can't help thinking that Simeon might have had a flashback to his own namesake in the book of Genesis. You know, when Joseph was still acting as if he was Pharaoh's prime minister and hadn't told the brothers that he was their brother, Joseph. He took Simeon and it says in the book of Genesis, uh, I think it's in chapter 42, it says he took them in sight of them all and bound him. And this is what Simeon says about the Lord Jesus. You've prepared him in the sight of everybody to be our saviour. What a gift you gave your only son. Nobody can doubt that God loves the world when he publicly gives his only son. He not only saw in that the gift of heaven, he saw him as the gospel light for the Gentiles. In verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now this is a, probably a, a reflection based on Psalm, Isaiah 42 uh, verse 6 and Isaiah 49 uh, which speaks of the Lord Jesus being the light not only to Jew, the Jews but to the Gentiles. But it was revolutionary for anyone in those days to see the fact that the gospel would go to the Gentiles. Look in the book of Acts and see what a furore arose when Peter went to the house of Cornelius. But Simeon saw it in advance, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And I am so glad the gospel light has landed across Britain and across Coombe Down so we here today can know there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin and it's through his son and also he saw in his saviour the glory of Israel because the light that shines the furthest is the light that shines the brightest at home and he said this is to the glory of your people Israel your son is going to be the messianic king the one who is the fulfillment of all these promises so what a wonderful saviour Simeon had and he held in his arms the one who would pay for his sins on the cross. What a magic, special moment that must have been for Simeon. And one day that'll be ours as we see the Lord Jesus in glory as well when we come to know him. I just want to ask this. Do you know Christ as your saviour and Lord?
That Bob Hope book I told you about tells another story from the Vietnam War. And it tells about his head cameraman who went out, a man by the name of Harold Stengel, uh, Harlow Stengel. And in 1967, he had a son who was fighting in the Vietnam War. And that was a horrible war, as you probably already know from the histories. Absolutely horrible. And you sent your sons out and you didn't know if you would see them again. But when he was out in a place called Pleiku with Bob Hope, he saw his son Peter and how they embraced each other. And what joy there was to be reunited even there on the battlefield. Bob Hope said in the book, it was the greatest Christmas present he had had in his lifetime. I want to tell you, dear friends, you can have the greatest Christmas present in your lifetime if you will take to your heart the Lord Jesus Christ as Simeon took to his arms this saviour. Simeon was able to die in peace because he had taken Christ. You will be able to die in peace if you take Christ and you will have that assurance and joy that he had in his saviour. May the Lord call you to put your trust in him even as Simeon did and look for him. We're going to sing.